We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back. It is Saturday night. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at IrishBreakdown.com. I'm joined by that guy, Vince Adair, our football analyst. And we are going to break down Notre Dame's absolutely positively dominating, convincing win over Georgia Tech. I'm going to start this show off, Vince. We got a super chat here that absolutely sums up this game, which I absolutely <laughs> right. love. And that is from Sean Stewart. Finally got a complete game and loved it. And Vince, look, this is what we talked about in the pregame. They have not played a complete four-quarter, both sides of the ball game all year. They usually play at least one or two every year. They were due, and we both predicted blowouts, and neither of us came close no, no. to how convincing this game was. And really all three phases of the game. You could point to one kick return which from Jameer Gibbs, which he took 40 yeah. yards. But other than that. But, dude, that, he's – look, he's dynamic. Well, that's you, your whole point. If you yeah. kick it to him, you fire the special teams coordinator. But we're not going to go there tonight. Uh, I mean, you had great return from Chris Tyree to start the thing off. You had great offensive performances, great defensive performances from a coaching and a player standpoint. And I love what Brian Kelly did in the second half. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh just a convincing win. Just for some context purposes, I would say, Vince, this is their most dominant performance against a Power 5 team just from sheer level of dominance since the 2017 game over USC. Just awesome. as far as just, you know, like like you could do like, you know, Pitt last year was 45-3, to but that game kind of got out of hand on a couple turnovers. You know, the Notre Dame offense was kind of struggling in early on. It was like 14-3. to They had the blocked punt. Remember that they returned. They had a inter couple interceptions deep in their territory. It wasn't really like a complete game. They couldn't really run the ball that game. They relied on some big plays. I mean, just as from a start to finish, all phases of the game, sheer dominant performance. Uh, this, to me, was was it since, since 2017 over USC. It was Notre Dame's biggest margin of victory over a Power 5 opponent since – 1996 and Lou Holtz's last home game at Notre Dame against Rutgers, 62 
to six. 62 to nothing was the score of that game. They won 60 to six the week before, but 62 to nothing. They were close. In they, last season. They were close. And it just, it really was, Vince, just a dominant, dominant performance. And it just, there was no emotional carryover from pregame. And for that to be the case, what you and I said during the week is it's up to the coaches to make sure they have a game plan that's geared towards getting them out of that, that emotional aspect of senior day and getting them into playing football. And it's not easy. And they did that. And kudos to Brian Kelly and his staff for that because this team came out from the snap, first snap of the game and was ready to play. Well, and I, I will also say part of that was was made a little bit easier because Notre Dame did not allow the families on the field, mm-hmm. uh, which was whatever. I mean, you, whatever you think about that, it was just the seniors going out to the seniors, and mm-hmm. it's it's less emotional. I mean, because we've seen in the past, I mean, just bear hugs with dads mm-hmm. and you know tears with moms and like you mm-hmm. know the whole thing. None of that, obviously. Right. None of that. It was just the seniors dapping each other up, and it was time to play ball. And yep, it, it was not in, anywhere near as emotional as it yep. always is, and that that disappointed me greatly. It's still emotional like though, because you still, right. whether you're going to hug your mom or dad at all, you're sure. still like, this is the last time. And I've talked, you've talked to Notre Dame players. Yeah. I've talked to Oscar McBride, Ryan. Harris, I mean, all those guys. They talk about this, like you know, that last game at Notre Dame Stadium, and boy, they came out, they came out locked and loaded. Get a, I'm going to yeah. get to a couple, couple super chats here, Vince, before we dive more into this. But, you know, the, the reality is, Vince, is they needed this kind of win to impress the college football playoff committee, and they got yeah. it. Well, that's they, what we it, asked it was, for, right? It was a dominant – I mean, dom- they could have run it up, putting more points on the board in the fourth quarter, running it up. We, You know, we could talk – we'll talk some about that, but I don't think that's what they did. I felt they kept the – I mean, look, this is what I've criticized Brian Kelly a lot about. And it, you can say, well, they only scored 10 points in the second half. Doesn't matter. That's an execution problem from a lot of young guys. They right. were still throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. They were still letting them run the offense. They weren't just pounding it right up the middle. They were running outside, inside. Buckner was throwing. They were running play-action passes. They ran the defense. And Marcus and, yeah, Freeman started putting backups in early in the third quarter, but he let them attack. Yep. They didn't start backing off. They didn't just give them yards. They attacked. For 60 minutes, this football team attacked. Georgia Tech. And that's the kind of thing that needs to be a normal, regular, every week thing under Brian Kelly. This was, the, and the other thing, too, Vince, is to me, people want to know why I get so frustrated. I got everybody else talking to me. And I got to listen to Mike Tarico the whole freaking game about this is the best coaching job Brian Kelly's ever done, <laughs> right? Nonsense. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Part of the reason I've been so frustrated this year is because this is what I thought this team was capable of. Now, You're I'm not right. saying they needed to play like this every week. But this is a, a, sta- a level that that we've always felt they could get to if they did the things we felt they needed to do. And today we saw it. And so I'm thrilled. I, I have not been this happy. And like, and what I mean happy, I just enjoyed it. It was because like I said to my wife, it's it's funny how a week can change things, Vince. A week ago, I looked at my wife after that game and I said, I don't enjoy watching this team play. They're just way better than everybody they play. I, I, like they don't play with necessarily that that fu- like they're starting to play a little bit of swagger, especially on defense and, and, and all that. But like they're just not an incredibly well coached team. There's and I'm watching Ohio State today, and I'm watching them scheme up to get guys open, and I'm like, you know, it's. But then we come out today, and that's exactly what we saw from Notre Dame. First play of the game, and we'll and you know on both sides of the ball. 
We saw that aggressiveness on both sides of the ball, Vince. This is why I've been so frustrated all year because this is the what the 2021 Notre Dame should, team should have been at, at, the, at the latest by the end of September, and it was fun. It was fun to watch. Coaching was good. Players were playing hard. The physicality was there. I mean, they. this was as good of a Notre Dame game as I've seen since really that stretch in 2017, in my opinion. No, I agree. And it was – it was it was so complete. It was so dominant. It was you're right. It was fun. And I like I, I normally chart and I, I write notes about every play. And after a while, it's like they're they're pretty much just doing whatever they want on both sides of the ball. And so I just I stopped back. charting after one series in the third quarter. I did. I, I I got my popcorn. Literally, there was popcorn in the press box. I got my popcorn. I sat back and I just started watching and I started enjoying. And it was enjoyable to watch. I mean, 45 points in the first half. Mm-hmm. For another name team is 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 ridiculous. I mean, they mm-hmm. scored every possession that they had, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And it yeah, was, they were held to a field goal on the first one, which right. we'll get to. But, but they scored yeah, on every, every possession, every yeah. possession. And and I, I believe Georgia Tech punted nine or ten times. I mean, that was something absurd like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just absolutely ridiculous. So um, it, it was a great performance. Uh, I I will say what I took away from this game overall was the game plan was the game plan from both coaches yeah. and how they stuck with it throughout the entire right. game. Right, right, I mean, exactly. throwing, throwing deep down the field when you're up 38 to nothing, it's just like, you know what, we're better, and we're just going to continue running right. our offense. And it's like, your I, job to stop yeah. us. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. That was fantastic. Yeah, I, it was. Yeah, so was. Uh, I, I was to a happy. couple super chats here, Vince, that, that aren't necessary. There's one I skipped. That's because it's defensive-specific, yeah. and, and, and I'm going to get to that. But David Carpenter says, "There's uh, thank you for the super chat, David. There's our complete game. 24 was a grown man. That was fun. Georgia Tech pass defense looked like Michigan State's. And that's what we said all, all week is their pass defense is garbage. That Notre Dame needed loose. to take advantage, and they did. Notre Dame went yeah. all. I mean, because th- this is a team that had given up at least 285 yards passing in like six of their last seven games, and had given over up to over 305 of their last seven. Notre Dame almost was there at halftime. Yeah. Right now, the the total numbers at the end of the game aren't going to look as impressive because of the way the second half went, which I, I we'll get to. Uh, but I mean, this was this was it was it was a, it was a unique combination of efficiency and explosiveness, which I loved. Patrick Barnes with a super chat. Thank you, Patrick. Tackling was great today, except for two plays. The Bo Bauer. The 22 yard run early in the third quarter where he broke like nine tackles. Yeah. And then the Bo Bauer just whiffing in space. Other than that, (laughs) the tackling was really good. Uh, What do you all think of the O line play? We'll get into that. Patrick seems improved. Not sure if that's due to weaker competition or improved play. It's, It's a little bit of a combination of both, which we'll get into when we get to. Uh, more conversation of the defense, but we had a couple that were on that were related to the defense that I want to get to up here because uh, Chris Young, I, Chris Irish Young, thank you, Chris, five dollar super chat, thank you. I don't envy the Georgia Tech quarterback; he's going to be feeling that game all week. Props to Freeman and the rest of the staff on D for that game plan. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's begin there, Vince, because... <laughs> I thought this was an absolutely brilliant game plan by Marcus Freeman that was executed flawlessly. Notre Dame has now gone three straight games without giving up a touchdown. They have allowed nine points in three games. Uh, People say, well, you know, this is the second straight game without a backup quarterback. Yeah, but this backup quarterback led them to 30 points last week against Boston College. Right. He's no slouch. Uh, He's no slouch. He's good with his legs, too. And they only allowed him to get loose. You know, a couple of times, right? Which, which is impressive all by itself. I mean, he had eleven carries for twenty yards, and the one time he got loose was that play where Bo Bauer just whiffs. He should have had him for a much shorter yeah. game. Oh yeah. But the point is, this also isn't a kid that had never played before. This is a kid that coming into this game had thrown hundred and nine passes on the season. Right. Right. Uh, you know, because Jeff Sims was hurt early in the year, he played. He threw for two hundred fifty-four yards and four touchdowns against Kennesaw State. He threw thirty-four passes against Clemson. And then he threw 28 passes last week against Georgia Tech. So this isn't the same as Jay Wolfert for Virginia, who I believe had like, what, five career passes coming into last week. I'm going to look that up real quick. I'm sorry, six. I was way off, six. So, uh, and, and the thing about this game plan, Vince, is he coached in a way, and the staff coached in a way where it was like they knew that what, what exactly what we said in the pregame. Georgia Tech is a team that's really only good at one thing, and that's running the football, and you've got to shut that down. And so what we saw from Coach Freeman was a few things. What's that? I said, check. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, I was just, me. that was me. Yeah. That was me checking it off. I was like, are you like, get out. Uh, <laughs> a couple things I liked. First of all, they they began the day in a four-down defense, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a four, their 4-2-5 personnel. And we saw that for the first three series. And in each series, he did something different. The first series, they come out in a 4-2-5. And on the very first play, they run a double, a really well-timed and aggressive double inside stunt. Drew White timed that almost perfectly, crashed the line of scrimmage right after the snap. And then J.D. Bertrand comes tight off his behind, and he's right in the quarterback's face, almost forces a fumble on the first yeah, play mean, of the game. Man, was it close. Yeah, they they ran that. It was the right call, but It man, was the right it was call. Close. I mean, it, it, it yeah. just has to be coming forward just a little bit to be a forward pass. It, it, right. And he was. It went forward, and then it hit. So it was the right call. Then you come out. I'm going to pull up my notes because, I mean, I made all these notes like, oh, my gosh, I loved it. Uh, they they uh, second, second down, they ran for a six-yard play. Cam Hart gets beat on a slant route. 
and then they go right back to where um, they go right back to a, another stunt. And then on second down is when they get the pick six. Right. And it was another play where it was a run stunt. And the reason I'm bringing these things up is because all these these things that we talked about were run stunts. It was Marcus Freeman saying, we're going to stop the run. And so then on the the but the run the way that your run stunts are because you use Isaiah Foskey as a down lineman, you're running a run stunt. He gets pressure because they decide they want to throw on second and two. He gets pressure and he forces you know he guy just heaves a throw and Jack Kaiser's there to pick it off and run it back for a touchdown. The aggressiveness from the first play of the game. You come out the next the next series in your first two plays of the second series. It's a dump it two straight plays of rover fires. Right off the edge. You didn't show that the first series. The first series was inside stunt, inside stunt, inside stunt. Second series, rover fire, rover fire. First one results in a in a stuff. The second one results because he has to step inside of the blitz. He gets stuffed by Kurt Heinish. Zero yard gain. Next play, uh, Pryor comes off the edge. He forces the guy to step in. He gets sacked. And then it's third and long, and you've got no chance against Notre Dame on third and long if you're Georgia Tech. And then third series, was it the third series? that we saw them come out in the three down. It was either the third or fourth series. We saw yeah. them come out in a three. Down. I made it. I made a, you comment made a comment to, to me because because the, yeah. they went three down Vince, but yep. first time double inside blitz. And it just, it was just something different the whole game. They were much more aggressive with their coverages. They said, you're not going to throw a quick game to us. You're going to have to beat us down the field. Problem with that Vince is every time they tried to drop back, and throw it down the field, the defensive line was in their face. And at right. the end of the day, that is what makes this team so good is when he turns that defense, when coach Freeman turns that defensive line loose, man. Yeah. And it's impressive. And it's it's not just the starters. I mean, it's, it's the second guys, it's the third guys that come in and they're still making plays. And and again, and I realize who the competition was, but it doesn't matter. They, they executed the plan. Can I say something about that? Please. Georgia tech sucks. We said that all week. Right. But this is exactly how an elite team is supposed to look against a team that sucks. So it doesn't take away from the fact that they this, the fact they suck doesn't take away from this game plan because this is exactly what you're supposed to do right. to a team like that. But Georgia Tech's Georgia Tech's offense doesn't suck. Georgia Tech sucks because of their defense. This is an offense that had come into this game in the three seven previous games was averaging over thirty points a game, and they 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 threatened to score once. That was it. And we'll get to that here in a second. So anyway, please continue, Vince. I just wanted to because I've had some people kind of say that to me. Well, Georgia Tech sucks. Yes, they I, I do. Get it? Yes, yeah. but they could have hung ninety on them if they wanted to. I mean, no really, question about it. And if you look at the other games that Georgia Tech has played, look, they beat North Carolina. That was supposedly was a good win for Notre Dame, right? They beat North Carolina. They almost beat Clemson, who's a seven and three mm-hmm. football team right now, uh, who just beat Wake Forest, who supposedly was the class Spanked. of the. Of the Spanked ACC, right? Wake I mean, Forest. that that's what we were told. Top 10 team and all that. So, mm-hmm. look, it, it, is Georgia Tech bad? Yeah, they're not a good football team. But Notre Dame dominated them in ways in which they were supposed to dominate them, but in ways we haven't and in, seen. And in some. And in beyond, even. And yes. beyond. I agree yes. with you. Because they yes. did eventually, eventually, take their foot off the gas. Well, now, in the, the right way. And we'll, we'll get to that I, when we get to the offense. I agree with that as yeah. well. I completely agree with that. Yeah. So, um, th- this was a complete win. This was a yeah. great win, and this was a, a great plan by the coaching staff, and the players executed it, which mm-hmm. which is even better. Um, yeah. And it didn't matter who was in the game. They were still executing the game plan. 
so speaking of the game plan, Vince, I, I think you you're starting to really see, in my opinion, Marcus Freeman Freeman just really having just such a great understanding of what this team is and what his players can and can't do. And we're seeing him, I almost feel like bear hear me out on this. Okay. Hear me out on this before you. I'm talking to Vince, I'm talking to you and the people in the chat. Hear me out on this. Fair enough. I feel like the best thing to happen to Notre Dame is that it is Kyle Hamilton getting hurt. Let me explain. Because I feel like when you have a player as great as Kyle Hamilton, Vince, is my is my am I sounding all right? Because my my thing just went down. My your sound is good, your visual is a little okay. fuzzy. Uh when 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 you have a player as good as Kyle Hamilton, you as a coach rightfully are going to game plan around him. Absolutely. Right? And your focus is going to be about him. Rightfully so. When he goes down, you have to kind of say, okay, I can't just build around him anymore. And so I've got to think about how can I use JD better? How can I use Kaiser better? How can I use Pryor better? How can I use Ramon Henderson? How can I use Xavier Watts? How can I you know, get more out of Houston Griffith? How can I get more out of DJ Brown? How can I get more out of Clarence Lewis and all those type of things? And then, okay, I don't have him anymore. So I've got to use my, I've got to use my front four now more effectively and and more aggressively. And I feel like he's now been able to find so many more buttons to push because he's not always just being, having to write. And and he should have always relied on Kyle Hamilton. He's one of the best players of college football, but it's kind of like, and the other thing too is, players tend to rely on a guy like Kyle Hamilton. Well, it's all right. Kyle's got my back. Well, when Kyle goes down, it's like, okay, I got to do my job better. You got to do your job better. I got to, you got to do your job better. And I feel like the whole team is kind of galvanized. Hey, we don't have our dude. We don't have our stud. It's Mm -hmm. up to us to step up and, and do it better. And I think that combination has made this team really, really dangerous. Well, and I will also say it, it, it forced their hand a little bit to, to move Ramon Henderson to safety. And that's, already in two games paying dividends i mean i was not anticipating ramon henderson starting at safety today i mean that was that was uh surprising yet fantastic to see uh in my opinion and if kyle hamilton's still playing of course why would ramon henderson be playing safety so i I think that you know there's you know when one door closes another one opens kind of thing well it opened for ramon henderson and he was able to you know, I thought he played a pretty darn good game today. Um, and, and so that doesn't happen if Kyle Hamilton doesn't go down. And and now Notre Dame is able to prepare for the future at the safety position. And that's fantastic. So anyway, so Vince, this was to me, I thought the game plan was really good. I thought it was very diverse. And I thought, and you, and you made the point too, that it was executed well. And I think the Isaiah Pryor thing is just a perfect example of of Marcus Freeman starting to figure out who does what well and just letting him do it. Because what we saw from Isaiah prior today was perfect. Like just let that kid attack the ball. And that's what he did. And, and I think he's starting to figure out how to use can't Clarence Lewis better because I think we've seen Clarence be better recently too. He's letting him be more aggressive. He's letting him beat guys up at the line, you know, he's, and that's helping him be more effective in coverage as well. So it just feels like he's really kind of finally figured out what all his pieces can do. And it's been really fun to watch. Yeah. Really fun to watch. No question. So no question. I think one of the things I, I, I liked about this game plan too, was 
a couple couple things that stood out to me is the one time, you know, he starts to kind of pull a couple starters and then Georgia Tech rips off that long run. They get to third down and he puts the starters right back in on third down. <laughs> they sack the quarterback and I mean Myron picks it up and runs it back and and let's hold on to that goose egg, man. Yeah, I have no problem yep. with that. I really don't because it's and, not like Georgia mm-hmm. Tech was playing a bunch of scrubs. Mm-hmm. They still had their starters mm-hmm. in. So mm-hmm. play ball, man. Yep. I, it is what it is. Like usually, and and this I think more pertains to high school ball, but like when the team that's ahead, you know, puts their twos in and then the team that's losing is like, okay, you know, we throw in the white flag. We're going to put our twos in mm-hmm. or, what, you know, whatever. Then if you put the ones back on the field, that's 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 playing a little bit of dirty pool. Mm-hmm. But if both teams have their twos in, then you let the twos play. Right. And, right. and I would have no problem with that. But Georgia Tech played with their ones the whole time. They never brought in their backup. Well, I guess their backup quarterback was the one that was playing. But they, they didn't bring up in their backup anywhere else from what I could tell. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what? Let's protect that goose egg. Let's protect that zero because that's huge. You're, right. you're playing against a D1 school. Right. That's huge. Protect that zero and let your starters go in and make and, you know, and make some hay. And they did. And and I, I, I actually I dug it, man. Let's put some let's put your foot on the throat a little bit. The other part of it too, Vince, was you know we said Friday that just because of everything that he's gone through this year and his dad not being there, that we thought we'd see something special from Iron Tongue Valoa most of today, <laughs> and right. boy did we! Wow. I'm not gonna lie, I don't get emotional very often during a football game. When he picked that up and ran it back, I was like, oh, that that's such a perfect. It, it could not have gone any better when something like that happened again. Yeah, no, it was it was. It was, you know, you can't write the script really any better than that, uh, which is the cool part about the whole thing. I mean, if you if you're like, you know, let me let me think of the best way for Myron to go out in his last home game. You know, maybe he just picks up a fumble and goes seventy yards. Okay, check mark. Like, I mean, that and and the manner in which he did it. I mean, he 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 moved. You know, he takes the ball from one arm to the other. There's a little bit of a stiff arm there, a little bit of a high step action to get out of that one diving tackle. I mean, he basically did everything that you need to do to make sure that you get mm-hmm. yourself into the end zone. Not to mention the great block by Isaiah Foskey on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. It was just, I mean, it, what an awesome play. Uh, just fantastic and then they interviewed his mom of course on tv and it's like wow okay this (laughs) you know if you weren't emotional watching him run it back you probably got a little emotional watching his mom talk about oh yeah how much he loves his professors for goodness Mm -hmm. sake like (laughs) which anyone that knows myron is like yep okay yep (laughs) exactly i mean that was that was awesome so one awesome. of the things, one of the things vince is so yesterday one of the things i wrote about coming into the game was the last two games is the first time Notre Dame is, has has held has not given up a touchdown in back-to-back games, first time since 2012. Well, that 2012 team did it three straight games, and so now they've tied it. The difference, however, is in 2012, they did it in three straight games. They did it against Michigan State, Michigan, and Miami. They gave up 12 points. Notre Dame has given up nine in the last three. So they are playing defense at an exceptionally high level right now. And that has been really fun to watch. I mean, in in Georgia tech only had 224 yards of offense. That was their lowest output. You know, I mean, that was that. And well, let me say that the other thing too is 54 that came on one busted play. Yeah. Like a third of their yards came on two plays in the third quarter. They had 76 yards on two plays. I mean, 
that Vince was, it was an incredibly impressive difference. And we'll get into the offense too, because the offense was really good as well. But this defensive performance, like they, they, Vince, it's kind of like Georgia Tech never even really threatened other than that one drive where the guy rips off the long run. And then that drive ended up turning into a Notre Dame touchdown. You know, because the <laughs> defense point. scored, the, the defense has scored four touchdowns this season. They scored two to, and, and they've come in bunches. They scored two against Wisconsin and now two against Georgia Tech, Vince. Uh, the two best scoring, two of the three best scoring games of the season for Notre Dame are dri- driven by two defensive touchdowns in each I game. mean, but, but I will say, you know, it was awesome that the defense scored two touchdowns. Which, yes. I mean, it was fantastic, but it wasn't in spite of the offense. No, it was completely different offense. than the Georgia, t- yeah. than the Wisconsin game. Completely. Absolutely. Because the way the offense played, like, okay, they'd have scored anyway. You just, right. you know right. what I mean? They just want to get into them the act. Like, I do wonder, yeah. however, I do wonder if that, because, you know, you can kind of get into the, our message. It was funny on our message board because when they, so let, let's, We'll talk about the offense here in a minute, but like they had that first big play and then sack, short run, sack, and it, it, it looked so much like what we had seen so much of the year. And I was like, oh gosh, we're gonna have one of those days again. Yeah, right. And and then the defense responds with a pick six, and it's kind of like now all of a sudden it's 10 to nothing. You always wonder, like, is that the kind of thing to pick the other side up and take some of the pressure off the offense? You know, that's that's not a shot at the offense. That's what good teams do. Right is hey you, Absolutely. you 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 know you you had to drive you settled for a field goal don't worry we got gotcha. you and and I I loved it and and, and I really enjoyed it. and then the offense said oh okay you guys you guys want to okay you guys want to get in the the action here okay now we got to step up our game and they yeah. absolutely did yeah it yeah. was uh, but defensively and we got a super chat from Mike Huff and this is why I brought up this is why I I I was responding to his super chat without bringing it up when I talked about how. They've given up nine points in three games. That has not happened under – it didn't happen under Bob Diaco. Didn't happen under Mike Lee or uh, Clark Lee. Didn't happen under Mike Elko. Certainly didn't happen on the guy that was between Mike Elko and Bob Diaco. No. So, uh, yeah, th- th- that is – so to answer your question, can you remember a, a stretch with nine points given up in three games? I'm sure it happened in the at times in the 90s or 80s. It definitely happened in 66, right? I mean, because it gave up like 12 points the whole freaking year. Yeah, right. Uh, but uh, I mean, no. Th- in today's era of college football, holding three straight opponents, two of which were Power Five teams, to only nine points combined is a, a, a incredibly, incredibly impressive feat. So, thank you for the super chat, Mike. Really appreciate that. But no, you're absolutely right. I, I can't remember a time where we have seen that. Um, Michael Burke with another super chat. Thank you for that. Ryan Harris agreed on radio screaming, protect the goose as Georgia Tech missed a field goal to end the half. <laughs> yeah, and it was a it was a block. I mean, you had the block, you had a big play at the yeah. end. Yeah, you you I mean it, but see to me, here's why that's important. And you know, I didn't know that Ryan said that because I, I wasn't listening to the radio broadcast, but here's right. why it's important to have that mentality to say, hey, we're gonna put our number twos back in because or our number ones back in because we're not letting up a score. That's that mindset that we talked about last week where we talked about how it's not just that they didn't score at the end of the first half. If they would have tried and not gotten it, okay, you know, you gave it a shot. You just, you know, minute 16, two timeouts. You had 85 yards to go. It happens. It's that they didn't try. Yeah. It's that mindset. Well, then you fast forward a week, 
And it's like, hey, we're not going to just give them points. We're not going to just let them score because they're at 45 nothing. It's no, you're not scoring on us. Right. And then when you take that into the second half, when it's 45 to nothing in the third quarter, you know the game is over. To see them do it again, it's like, okay, that's a mindset. It's a, we're not going to let you score. It's like that scene from, remember the Titans, you know, they don't gain another yard. If they get past the line of scrimmage, I'm pulling every last one up. You know what I mean? Like it's a mindset. And today we saw Notre Dame play with the killer instinct that they need. And they didn't run up the score, right? They didn't. And we'll get into that here in a second when we talk about the offense, but they still dominated from start to finish because no matter who was in the game, you were playing with the same mindset. Now, offensively can change a little because if you're running jets and reverses and play actions and stuff like that in the first half, you don't want to be doing that in the third quarter right? or in the fourth quarter up, excuse me, fourth quarter up 55 to nothing. But you can still run your offense. You still run your defense, and we saw that tonight. So, yes, Michael, it, it's absolutely – it's a mindset, and it was great, great to see that. So, Vince, anything else to add from the defense other than just wow – I, this, it was, this team is playing at an incredible. I mean, they, look, Vince, they didn't even they didn't even threaten really Notre Dame to score a touchdown. They even threatened to no, score. No, touchdown they really score. didn't. And uh, it's it's great to just kind of, I mean, not kind of. It's great to watch aggressive defense. I love aggressive defense. I love smart defense. I, I love you know. Uh, it was very clear that the scheme that they were using was directly influenced by what they were seeing on film from Georgia Tech. Okay. Uh, and they can just continue to run the same stuff over and over. And Georgia Tech had no answers. I mean, they they were running that same um, uh, blitz where Bo Bauer kind of fakes like he's dropping, then wheels around and comes in. They ran that like five times, right? And they were running it late in the fourth. Like they were running into the fourth quarter. As long as Bo Bauer was in the game, they were running that. And I saw and Prince Colley coming downhill yeah. a few times. Georgia I mean, Tech had no answers. D line was no. still aggressive. They were still yeah. attacking. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I no question. It, so it was just love fun it. to watch. It's I mean, a mind, but it's a mindset thing though, Vince. That's it's an attitude. It's I don't care who's in the game. We're attacking all night long. Yeah, exactly. And I loved it. And, yeah. and again, it's not Fantastic. running it up's like bringing corner fires, right? Like, I'm sorry, you don't put your second string in and run a corner fire and drill the guy in the back. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's, that's like, that's like, oh, oh, come on, man. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you're kind of running it up a little bit, but you still right. attack. And I thought they did that. And and I was correct. Georgia Tech's 224 yards of offense was, in fact, their lowest of output of the season. Their previous low was 298 yards against Clemson, who has a very good defense. Obviously, uh, you saw what they did to Wake Forest today. Right. So I, I'd say that's that's pretty good. When you're when you're holding them to 74 yards, I'm sorry, yes, yeah, 74 yards below what Clemson held them to. I'd say that's a that's a pretty good day's work. And it's yeah. the fewest out, fewest yards they've had in a game since going back to 2019 in a home loss to Georgia in Jeff Collins' first year. So it was a it was a really, really brilliant performance. Last year, for example, against Georgia Tech, uh, Notre Dame – or Georgia Tech had 238 yards at 4.0 yards per play. And today they had 224 yards at – you know, and, and just really just a dominant – dominant dominant game plan and i'm trying to figure out what their yards per play was just give me one second that would be third four, 63 3.6 yards per play so i mean even more thorough domination of of them than we saw from them last year 
And of course, this year they held them to to zero points. Last year's defense only gave up six points against Georgia Tech because remember they returned a fumble early in the game. Uh, Kyron Williams fumbled and Georgia Tech ran it back for a touchdown. Right. That was their only touchdown last year. So you've now played Georgia Tech two years in a row and you haven't allowed them to score a touchdown offensively. That's that's impressive and mm-hmm. and doesn't hurt recruiting. They're from Atlanta. Not that a right. bunch of five stars are going to be looking at you know go to Georgia Tech, but you know, they're they're going to be paying attention. So just um, just a oh and and pass defense has now held two of their last three opponents under 100 yards passing. Now I mean, that's that's kind of a that's kind yeah, of a um, but it is what it is. I mean, it's kind of a spinny type of like oh you're kind of not really being honest there because of course the first team they held under 100 was Navy. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's but still, still I mean, you know. Still yeah. there. They haven't given up over 200 yards in three straight <clears throat> games, though. And, and so I think that was that was the encouraging thing for me is that we didn't see – one of the fears was, for me, was just giving up big plays. And and to me, I mean, when I look at this team, it, it's hard for me to not be thrilled. Here's my five keys to the game for Notre Dame's defense. Number one, get early stops. Check. Number two, dominate the trenches. Stop the run. Check. Number three, limit quarterback run yards. Check. They didn't. It didn't yeah. happen until it was forty-five. One big play. Right? Yeah. It was forty-five nothing when they finalized. No big plat pay. No big plays in the pass game. Check. And then number five, get the ball. You know. Um, and they got the ball. I mean, not, not only did they get the ball a couple times, they <laughs> took it back to the house every time. So, brilliant, brilliant game plan. So, Vince, now it's time to talk about the offense. Yeah, please. Let's talk about the yeah. offense. I know I, you've I, been I chomping was... at the bit to. Well, so. you know, it's it's hard to hide my uh, my love for offensive football. So, uh, but no, I I will say this uh, again. Tommy Reese came out and had another creative game plan. Um, mm-hmm. And look, we wanted him to get everybody involved. Check he he got everybody mm-hmm. involved. Um, I mean, we saw end arounds, we saw you know in jet sweeps, things of that nature. We saw some screens. We saw, uh, you know, obviously the run game. We saw them pushing the field vertically. Uh, they threw a same route to a tight end. I, yeah. Two. Two. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know. I, I texted you. At the, I was like, wow, amazing what happens when you abuse the seam. Like, <laughs> it, and they got Michael Mayer involved, you know, on, on a regular basis, which was great, you know, when, when the game mattered. Uh, I, there was nothing that I was looking for from an offensive standpoint that I did not see. Yeah. Right? Other than just better execution from your backups. Okay. I mean, and that's that's something okay. said by every single coach that's ever put backups in the game <laughs> yeah, right. in mass. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, you're you're I mean, look, we we saw early on, I'm not gonna lie to you, I was a little like, okay, why are they doing so much 12 personnel early on? But it yeah. was a setup, right? It was a setup. Yeah. So first play of the game is when we started to see that this was a little bit of a different game plan from Tommy Reese. And what I mean by that is one of the concerns, one of the the things we've complained about is so much of the horizontal stretch stuff, the left or right, which makes it a little easier to defend. And one of the things we said coming into the game was you've got to do things to make Georgia Tech communicate because they will make mistakes. And we saw Tommy Reese take advantage of that. First play of the game, you've got 12 personnel. You've got Kevin Austin to the right, Braden Lindsay to the left. They run Braden Lindsay on a deep corner route, so not just a normal post corner, but like a deep corner route. And they ran I was I can't remember if it was a play action or not. I'd have to go look it up. I, I I didn't write down whether it was a play action or not. Vince, did you know whether or not it was a play action? 
on mm. the first play of the game. I so don't I, I, think I did it not, was. But it was out of 12 personnel. But it was a slow developing play because Kevin Austin had to come all the way from like a wing right. position. It was a deep, it was a deep drag. Yeah. Yep. And so I want to, I want to, yeah. So Chris Tyree, first of all, it's great to see him on the kick return. I'm going to pull this play up here real quick. Cause I, I, I do want to look at this. So it was 12 personnel from a reduced lineman, right? Yes. So you had both of the outside guys were released. Both tight ends were, it was a play action. It was, I just watched it. It was a play action pass. And so the linebackers came up and that allowed Kevin Austin time to get behind them. Then right. they took the backside safety away with the, the action from Brayden Lindsay. So that opens up Kevin Austin on this deep drag route. And what was the thing we, we always complain about is it just seems like Notre Dame's offense never really gets schemes guys open. So you have Lindsay on a deep route. Mayer was to the left. He immediately releases on a slide. The outside linebacker runs with Mayer. There's this giant zone open for Kevin Austin to run through. Huge. That's scheming for success. Yep. Started right away. Didn't love the red zone play calls because they went back to some horizontal stretches and they gave up the sack. But here's something, and, and you know, again, we'll have some criticism for the line, some praise for the line. The first series from the line was awful. Uh, Josh Lug gets beat twice. He gets called for holding. But I'll say this. After that bad first series, the pass pro the rest of the game was really good. Jack Cohn had a lot of time to throw the rest of the game. It just was kind of like a bad start, but they bounced back and gave him time the rest of the game. And then you come out the second series, Vince, and you know you run a counter on the first play. They tried to run a wheel route on the second play, but some guys came free, and so so he had to throw the ball away. And again, I'm here. I'm like, here we go, right? It's like you got guys running free and all that kind of stuff. Then they get to third and five. And he went 21 personnel. Again, Chris Tyree in the backfield, Kyron Williams outside. And he ran a high-low on the boundary. So what he did was, and it's not a concept we've seen a ton this year, is he ran Mayer on an option route, and he ran Kevin Austin, who was on the same side, on a deep end cut. So if they overplay Mayer, you've got Kevin Austin coming behind him on a deep end cut. We haven't seen a whole lot. That's a vertical stretch, right? Chris Tyree has a great blitz pickup, uh, hits the guy. Jack Cohn gets time to throw, makes a great throw. They come out later. You're at third and three, and Christophic just gets beat up right up the field, and you gain like a yard. It's fourth and two. There was no hesitation from Brian Kelly whatsoever about going for it. That's That that showed me that they, they're coming into this game with an aggressive mindset. You know what I mean, Vince? Yeah. They go for it on sure fourth do. and two. They did another thing. They ran levels. I was so happy. Levels <laughs> is a bunch of crossers and messes where, you know, it's like levels right. of the defense. Yep. He could have gone deep to Lorenzo Styles. He could have taken that shot, but it was kind of well covered. He would have had to get it out in front of Lorenzo. It would have been a really good throw. But he sees Braden has got a step on a guy. So he, he holds on. Jack Cone holds on to the ball long enough to let Braden clear the linebackers, and he throws it out to him for the first down. Right, but I it was a little behind two. him. We're nitpicking. It was right. a little behind but him. But he spread the field. I love fourth and two. You spread the field. I hate yeah. we're throwing. You know what I mean? Try to defend it. You get a nice run block from Jarrett Patterson. You go for the score. Right. You come out third. The third series. Okay, it's seventeen nothing. You get the ball back. You come out in the third series. He goes design swing screen to, to Chris Tyree. That was a design screen pass. The one where he just. Throws a little swing pass. Tyree catches it. It wasn't a yeah. check down because Michael yep. Mayer's blocking. It's yep. a swing pass. Goes for nine yards, which is what? 
getting your best, one of your best athletes, the ball in space. And Chris Tyree runs a dude over, gets nine yards. On yep. third and one, he goes 13 personnel. Reese goes 13 personnel, put three tight ends of Kevin Austin in the game. Clearly, they're running the ball on third and one, right? Nope. nope. Jet sweep to Kevin Austin for eight right. yards. I'm Which like, oh, I'm sorry. And then the next play, they run play action. And it was like the, the, we've, like a pop pass. We've been begging for this all year. Runs play action. Georgia Tech bites. And Michael, how do you leave Michael Mayer that wide open? Because I mean, it's a, it's an undisciplined defense. And when you exactly. do things like that, well-designed stuff, Michael Mayer's wide open. And I'm thinking, thank, welcome to the 2021 season, Coach Reese. Like, right, because now it's two games in a row. We're seeing 12 personnel, 11 personnel. Jet sweeps out of 13 flipping personnel, right, which we saw last year. it's not obvious what they're going to do. Right. It was not obvious they stuff. were running that play. And then, right. and then you're seeing 12 personnel – that was the second big play. They gained 90 yards on two 12 personnel play action passes in the first half, first quarter, mm-hmm. right? Because it was also 12 personnel on the touchdown of Michael Mayer. So, Vince, it was just – there was just so much – there was just so much to like, so much to see, so much versatility. And I could continue and go on and on and on and on about yeah. more things that we saw, but – it was just, man, it was so much fun to watch. It was so much it fun was. to watch. It was. It Gee, was. It was. I'm, I'm looking at it. Was that a play action pass? I had it written down as play action, but I could have been wrong on that now that I'm looking at it. It was 12 personnel for sure. I'm watching the play over again. Continue, Vince. No, so, I, I was just going to say it, the creativity was what I loved. I just loved it. I mean, getting guys in motion, you know, using Georgia Tech's uh, undisciplined nature mm-hmm. against them. Uh, you know, we talked about it during the week. Like mm-hmm. they will let guys loose, but yeah. you have to find them. You have to be creative to take advantage of. You can't just run yeah. four verts and they're going to turn. It was just play, somebody it was gets play turned action, loose. By the way. Yeah, I just exactly. went, it was a play action. Yeah. But you know, you're um, right. You have to scheme your way into that. Right. Right. And you know, right. I, and I, and I thought this, I, look, I thought this offensive strategy, this offensive game plan, just, it just fits Jack Cone to a T. And, mm-hmm. and and he's obviously not the mental head case that he was earlier in the season. He has because they're doing a better playing, job of protecting him. Give they him are, that. but he is playing with a confidence that he we haven't seen. You know, at the beginning of the year, the last few mm-hmm. games. I mean, what he was fifteen of seventeen to start the game. Yeah, fifteen for of almost three hundred yards. I mean, two hundred eighty-five yards in the first half. What what else? What else? You know, if you if you're not a Jack Cone fan, and that's fine if you're not. But what the heck else do you want with him going 15? That's 88%, okay? 88, 88% completion mm-hmm. percentage uh, to start the game. And that was into the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, um, and I believe, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those throws, of those 15 throws went for first downs, and two more went for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So nine of those 15 completions either went for a first down or a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you talk about Jack, the mental part of it. Jack was so poised today. Yes. And he could have let that first series kind of get in his head. Because the first sack, he's got to throw that ball away. you got a guy running a deep corner out. Just throw it over his head by 30 feet. You know what I yeah. mean? The second right. sack, he looks away from his first read, and the guy's right in his face. There's nothing that, to do with the, the second one was not his fault. <laughs> first, he's got to throw the do. ball away, right? Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. But then you come back later in the game. It's tw- it's I think it's 24 nothing at this point in time. It's the third and three. And they did it. They went to 21 personnel again with Kyron in the slot. And they ran this time, they ran a middle of the field high low, 
Did you remember the play I'm talking about? That Kyron mm-hmm. caught for short gain. So you yeah. got Michael Mayer running a deep end cut and from one side, and you got Kyron Williams. From the, so you got your two best players running a high low right over the middle of the field. So linebackers are like, well, who do we cover? Well, they covered Michael Mayer. All right, well, Jack allowed Kyron to get across enough right. to where he was kind of past the linebackers. You could dump it off to him, and now Kyron could just go do something with it. That's a throw early in the year. He throws 100 miles an hour, and he throws right now. And maybe Kyron still gets the first down, but he's he's got the ball where the linebackers can then rally to him. You know, that was a great play. And then one of my favorite designed plays of the game was the screen touchdown to to to, Ky- to, to Logan Diggs. Oh. Because they're in 21 personnel. Kyron had just come off the field. They put Chris Tyree in a slot and run him on a, a burst motion, right? A burst motion is basically your sprint. You're showing jet, right? It looks yes. like a jet sweep. Yep. So they run yep. jet sweep, and Jack Cohn just stares at Chris Tyree. At like, the whole I mean, defense. just staring at Chris Tyree. The whole defense goes that way. Okay. <laughs> and they you come to a slip screen undis- backside to Logan Dix. <laughs> I mean, and Josh Lowe got a great, great oh, block great. down the field. And that's not easy to do, by the way. No. I'm just no, saying. But it's a big you line. You about great play design. Again, taking advantage of their lack of discipline. Jack Cohn sold the heck out of it, right? Just, I mean, he's like, I'm throwing a swing to Tyree. I'm throwing a swing to Tyree. I'm throwing and this nope can't check down. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a beautifully designed play. Perfect. And and the fact that they did it with Kyron on the bench says a lot about number one, the town of the backs. But I also thought that kind of mattered too, because if you're running a jet sweep to Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams is still in the game, somebody's still keying Kyron Williams. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Absolutely. They're, they're, they're I mean, when have we seen him throw a lot of slip screens to Logan Diggs? We haven't seen it. So, man, I just I, I said this in the in the live chat during the show, Vince. I don't know if I can remember. May USC twenty seventeen is the only other time I can remember a game where I was so incredibly impressed by the game plan, the play calling, and the adjustments by both Notre Dame coordinators in the same mm-hmm. game. Yeah. I really can't. Now, we've seen games where the offensive coordinators had great games, but the defensive coordinators just really didn't. Sure. And, and you know, part of that is some of the games where Clark Lee had great success, it was the game plan was just be sound and let your athletes take over. I'm talking about, like, where they were just scheming things and, and all those kind of things. And, and that doesn't mean that those jobs, those weren't great jobs like Clark Lee. They were. It's just a, it's not what I'm talking about here. Right. Where – I just like, wow, like these, both of these guys were dialed in. I mean, just flat out dialed in. And, you know, again, the offensive line, not a lot of great movement, but they, but I'll tell you what, they, they, their movement in the run game from the twenties was mediocre to below average. But when they got in the red zone, you saw the offensive line kind of pick it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I like that, right? Like the touchdown run from Logan Diggs was about as easy of a cutback five-yard touchdown as you're ever going to see. Right. Because Kane Madden and Josh Lugg both just washed down the defensive line. George Takis had a really nice drive block. And Logan just says, oop, I'm going to go right here. I mean, I don't I don't have a lot of complaints. I, You know, again, second half – I mean, I, I like to see him execute better in the second half. The first drive, I don't think they executed. Yeah, I didn't like the, the first drive. drive. I agree. Went three and out, you know, but it's not like they just went up, inside zone, inside zone, inside zone punt. You know, they just didn't execute. And then you you put your backups in. Well, no, you didn't. Next drive, you put in Tyler Buckley, even though the backups are in. He runs, I love it, read zone from your own four-yard line or whatever. <laughs> he goes. 60-whatever yards uh, later. Love yeah. that. You know, but, but after that, I mean, look, they were still throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. 
They were still trying to take shots. Yeah. Before, just, just the execution wasn't there, right? But they never stopped running the offense. And so, again, right. you can say, well, they only scored three offensive points in the second half. Okay. I can live with that, right? Because it was more about you went to your young guys early, but you let them run the offense, right? And they Absolutely. just they didn't execute, and it, it is what it is. And and they weren't pushing the tempo like they were in the first first quarter, half, which they shouldn't have. That's the other thing you don't you don't go tempo in the in the fourth quarter when you're up fifty five to nothing, right? So I can live with the fact they only scored th- three well, points look, because again, it's a mindset. The mindset was right. They just didn't execute well in the second half. Well, look, Brian Kelly said in his post game press conference, he said. Well, Tom and I sat down and and we we talked about the fact that we want to run the offense in the second half. We want to run the offense. We don't just want where has that been? Right. Like <laughs> where has that been for the last some, 12 years? Somebody somebody posted on the board and I'm going to say this cuz you know, so, it's going to piss some people off, which is partly why I'm saying it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but somebody said Brian Kelly definitely listens to Irish breakdown because he talked at halftime if you, you couldn't hear the proc, he was talking about, we're going to play to the Notre Dame standard in the I, second I half. And I was that, like, yeah. yeah, okay. He's talking about, we're going to, we're going to run the office second half. Okay. Thank you. But you know, it's like the whole game plan. It's like you, you said to me before the, before it was like, you should come up with a list. This would be taking arrogance to a whole new level. Yes, it would come up with a list of all the things we've said, Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese need to do offensively. And then let's like put checks on all of them. And I thought like, no, I can't. <laughs> But the point is, the point is this. It's not saying we were right and they listened to us. The point that I'm excited about, however, to be – I mean, I I do know that they listen to us because I have had some conversations with people that – over there that makes it very clear that they're listening to our criticisms. I don't think they like them. I don't think they're trying to adopt them, but right. they definitely hear them. Sure. Uh, and and to But the thing is, is, is I've seen a willingness – from Tommy Reese to change more than we've seen from coordinators in the past who would, or even Tommy Reese last year, when things weren't working, they just kind of said, well, we just got to do it better. We've seen him completely go away from what they were, adapt completely to the personnel. And we're now seeing them be such a more balanced, spread out, don't care where the ball goes. Even something like you, you were like a, because you know I'm on stream, so I'm always like a minute behind you. And I had texted you in the third quarter, or was it second quarter? Man, I just I love this game plan. And you're like, wait till you see the next play. Yeah, and they because it was the first play of the half or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> explain explain that it like was, talk through that the, play of why it was, it was the Kevin Austin pass. It was the Kevin Austin play. You know, they were up thirty eight to nothing, and you're like, man, I, we, we were talking about how man, this is a great game plan. They're being aggressive. They're throwing it downfield, and I'm like, just wait for the next play, man. Yeah. Like, and I was shocked. I'll be honest with you when when Jack Cone. Stop. He he dropped back and he took a shot. I was like, and it was a design shot because you had Kevin Austin <laughs> in the slot. Yeah. With Brain Lindsay outside. Yeah. And they were in 12 personnel. And that was clearly a design shot. It was clear because what they had been doing in a, out of twins is they were playing a lot of man coverage on the slot receiver. Yeah. Out of 12 personnel because they're playing run. And so, again, that's another one. So, I'm going to see if I can find that play. I don't think that was a play action pass, but I'm I'm going to find it and find out for sure. But the point the point being Vince, actually it's on I'm on the drive. The point being is that I love absolutely love the aggressiveness that we saw from them in this game. To 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 go out and attack down the field, attack the middle of the field yeah. on the intermediates 
it was just it was a really just a great a great well designed game plan that I you know, it, it was that one was a pure drop back. So they ran they they took George Takas on motion. He ran a middle route, and Michael Mayer ran a crossing route. And you ran basically like a stop of Braden Lindsay, and then just a one on one scene with Kevin Austin. Right. And Jack took the shot. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I loved it, and I just loved it. And they brought a wide blitz. Josh Lug went out. Kyron stepped to it. It was a bad, poorly executed blitz. But Notre Dame would have picked it up even if it wasn't poorly executed because they saw it. They tried to bring a rover fire, and Josh Lug and Kyron both saw it. And they stepped out to block it. So uh, just a really, really well-designed, well-designed play attack in all parts of the field. Yeah, I loved great. it. And here's it another thing. Name great. me a running back group, a running back room that you would trade for Notre Dame's. We have a super chat here from Coleman Clark. So it was so great to see a Kelly team finally put their foot on the jugular. Agree. Estimate is a monster. Where the heck was he earlier in the season? Sitting behind three other monsters. That's yeah, the problem. That's exactly the I problem. Mean- <laughs> and, and somebody asked where Sebo has been. He is hurt. He's hurt, but he, he yeah. got passed up too. Yeah. Like he got passed up by Logan Hayes. But he's yeah. been banged up a lot this year. He's had multiple injuries. He plus he had the four game, you know, he was not available for four game two games. Right. And I but, saw I saw yeah. a twenty uh, walking around pregame. Uh, he was not dressed. Not dressed. Yeah, I didn't know if that was JoJo or if no. That, that was, was him. Sebo. That okay. was Sebo because there was I on TV. You could see him standing behind Coach okay. Kelly. You could tell it was Sebo. It's hard to tell from the. He got form. hurt the week before the Virginia game on a Tuesday practice. Gotcha. He got hurt. He had he got some some issues. So, um, re- really big time. We have another super chat here from Lawrence Adams. Missed the charity event uh, next year. We got you. Thank you because we are definitely doing it next year. Uh, went out and spent another uh, an, another big thing. I don't know if y'all saw it, but some faith mission we hooked up today. They were awesome. They came and brought a. a we had too much stuff for the car, and I was like, we didn't think we didn't think the store was going to have as much as they had. So I called them. I said, "Hey, we're out here in Elkhart. Can you can you come meet us?" And they brought a big truck. We loaded it all in the truck. So we're about twenty percent in of spending. <laughs> long ways to go yeah long way to go but we're doing it every day we find we got new new need and some working on some other things so we're gonna get it spent and we're gonna you know what i'm gonna be doing tomorrow on monday but uh this has been much better uh the season with ib every week 10 and 1 feels great been a wild season yeah that that to me is the thing is 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 you always want to be playing better you always want to be playing your best late in the year and there's no doubt the Notre Dame has been playing their best even before today yeah, but it was just like there needed to be another level for at least one game. Notre Dame found that gear, but I think the the the, the thing that that the previous super chat brought up, Vince, is name me a team that can bring a guy like Logan Est- or Audric Estime off the bench, and he's your fourth running back. And that's that's the thing. I mean, that's how deep this running back room is. I mean, I. You know the 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 one two three punch next year because I assume Kyron is going to leave, but the mm-hmm. the, the punch of of uh, of Tyree Diggs and Estimate, that's eh, pretty solid. I mean that's a, oh, yeah. that's a pretty good one one through three, yeah. and we know Notre Dame's going to go three running backs, and mm-hmm. that's fantastic. And you're not going to get a drop off when either one of those three guys are in. So yeah, um, the future is very bright in the backfield for Notre Dame. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. Did you did you see the super chat at seven oh eight? By the way. No, I'll go back up and find it when you when you read okay. this one. I will. Lawrence Adams, thanks for the super chat. Really appreciate it. These O and D type games are so much harder to game plan for by opponents in the future. Feels so good to see diversity and getting so many involved. 
Could not agree more. It was on both sides of the ball, getting everybody involved. And it was awesome. It was great. I, I, I just, it's what I asked for. And not again, not, I'm not saying that they need to do what I ask for, but when I, one of my keys to the game, I've got it written right here is that, you know, get everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And they did. Uh, they, they did asked- in, in, in two ways. One is, Whoever was on the field early, you had a jet sweep to Brayden Lindsay that went for 12 yards. I mean, there was that that I can think of, there was a designed pass where at least a different a one different player was the primary guy you're trying to scheme open for right. every skilled player they played in the first half. Yeah, I agree. Kyron, obviously. Chris Tyree, you threw the swing screen too. You had a jet sweep to Brayden Lindsay. You had a screen to Logan Diggs. You had the, the the deep drag on the first play of the game to Kevin Austin, plus the other one to Kevin Austin, and then you had several plays that were Michael Mayer was clearly the number one design player. That That's not easy to do. That's right. what the best coordinators do. That's what Lincoln yeah. Riley does all the time. That's what made this such a – it wasn't just that he had good schemes, but he had schemes designed around let's get Tyree a touch, let's get Kyron a touch, let's get Mayer some – going let's get Braden going let's get Austin going because when he's calling plays like that and Jack is executing the heck out of the game plan like that yep how do you stop this offense and so you say well you know Georgia Tech's offense is defense isn't very good no it's not neither is Virginia's but this week they did what nobody else has been able to do and that's right. actually annihilate that defense in a way where it was over by halftime right you no know, if no if Brian Kelly wanted to be an a-hole he could have easily scored over 70 in this game. Oh. Easily. No question easily. about it. No question about it. And that would have been running up the score. Yes. this I, I'm fine with how today went. This was not running up the score, and though. And it this was, was senior day, so you had to put Cole Copeland in there. Yes. And, but they, you know, they put some walk-ons in the game late that they could have maybe tried to go get another score. But at that point in time, no, that's running it up, right? But you put Cole in the game, let him get a snap, man, because – that kid, you know, that kid, he's the signaler that they put in late in the game, right. and he got a chance to play. They got some other guys in, which I loved. But by that point in time, it's like, hey, guys, it's senior day. There's some other things more important than getting that to that 62. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Got a super chat at 708 from uh, Indy Nation. What's the deal with Pine not playing? He looked good when he was out there. Also, what's your take on Tyler Buckner and his passing skills or lack of? Thanks. First of all, the reason Drew Pine didn't play is because number one, this is Tyler Buckner's the future of Notre Dame's football team and should be. And as much as I love Drew Pine, late in the game, they wanted to get some of those other guys in the game to let them get a snap. And Drew was just as you could see his face on the sidelines. He was just as excited about it as the other guys. But right now, you're still trying to get Tyler Buckner ready to be more of a playmaker and to be able to run more of the offense. That's more important. You know what Drew can do. Right, Drew doesn't have anything else to prove to you at this point in time. You know what he can do. It's about getting Tyler Buckner ready. As far as his, his passing skills or lack of, I think Tyler's passing skills are going to be fine. This is exactly why we told people when they wanted Tyler to start that he's not ready yet. The kid did not play football last year. He's played one year of high school football in the last three years. Right, he's going to need time. This is what we said. This is why I wrote the article in in the summer and in fall camp that I did to say Tyler Buckner is going to be great. But he's going to need more time than your normal top ranked recruit. Correct, absolutely. And so, and it's not the running. The running part's easy. That's just you're an athlete or not. I mean, that's the easy part. It's the going through progressions, making reads, knowing when to throw back shoulder, knowing what spots to get open. Uh, You know, like he had one real bad miss on the third down. To me, that looked more like the walk on receiver 
went too far inside. He's got to see that opening and kind of sit more outside. I don't actually think that was all that was necessarily on Tyler, but he was off on some throws and a couple things like that. But I mean, that's going to come. That's going to, that's going to come. I'm not worried well, the about time that. He's, but the time he's getting on the field this year is invaluable. Yes, It's yes. invaluable. And yes. in the past, I don't think he gets that time. No, no. So, so I, I I'm going to give props to, to Notre Dame and the offensive staff for getting him on the field as much as mm-hmm. they have. Because right. this is absolutely invaluable. Because the mistakes that he's made this year, if he's your starter next year, make them now game. instead of against Ohio State. Yes, you don't want to make those mistakes then. You want to make them now. So th- this is invaluable time that he can get at game speed against D one opponents. Like mm-hmm. this is what you need, and and they're getting it for him, which is fantastic. And there's going to be bumps in the road. We've seen it. It's going to happen. And guess what? There's probably going to be some bumps in the road if he's the starter next year too. So mm-hmm. you're gonna have to be patient. That's what I'll say there. But the he's he's a dynamic kid, and that's oh. the thing that that's why you that's that's why you continue to let him work through those things right. and gain that experience because he is a dynamic, dynamic player. We have a couple more super chats. Ryan Olenek, five dollar super chat. Thank you for that, Ryan. Very, very, very much. And we got another one down here. I want to get to. Yep, I'm scrolling. There's one from Gregory Gilbert. Yep. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, happy to see Door not miss any kicks. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what? I'll say this. He started the season off not well. I think he missed a field goal in what, like three of the four, three or four of the first games of the year. I'm, I'm going to pull this up. But he has been, from what I can t- remember, I guess I don't, maybe I'm forgetting something. But he has, yeah, he, let me see here. He missed a field goal against Toledo. He missed a field goal against Purdue. He missed a field goal against Wisconsin. He missed one against USC, and he's made his last four. I mean, he was three for three against North Carolina. He was one for one against Navy. They didn't use him last week, and he was perfect today in his only field goal attempt. And he's made now, let me see here, one, seven, 12, 15, 19 how many they scored seven touchdowns or eight touchdowns today right Vince no seven I'm trying to they got seven, the, well seven times seven is 49 so did they kick they kicked two field goals today so he kicked both those field goals today that's right I keep forgetting that they got a field goal at the third quarter so he got two field goal attempts made them both today and so he's now made six in a row so he's been pretty steady of course yeah I, I I'm Matt D okay Matt D brought this up he's talking about you know that Matt, I'm calling my Matt D's my man. That's my guy. It's a friend of mine. But I told I told him I was going to call him out this week because he said this week he goes John Door hasn't kicked the ball out of bounds all season. <laughs> and I said if he kicks this out of bounds on Saturday, I'm blaming you. And he did, but yep. it didn't really bother me because it took a funky hop. Yeah, he didn't kick yeah. it like bad. It because took if a funky it was hop. if it was caught on the on the fly like it's supposed to, right? That doesn't go out of bounds, right? But I mean, it's still put it where I, he's I, supposed to put. Yes, it. I'm not blaming uh, yeah. John Doerr. I'm blaming Matt D. The <laughs> other thing too is I'd rather it go out of bounds than into Jameer Gibbs's Yo, waiting arms. Absolutely, <laughs> I dude, I would kick it out of bounds every time uh, mm-hmm. and let them take it on the 35 with the way the defense mm-hmm. was playing. So yeah, yep. absolutely. Uh, Craig yep. Sebring has the next one. Uh, a little Thanksgiving humor here. Uh, thanks for the super chat, Craig. He says, "Hope all the Freeman haters are eating crow instead of turkey." For Thanksgiving, okay, I what? like that. Yeah, what, well, what? I mean, 
I don't want to get into that whole because things are going now that there weren't mistakes made in the past, right? There were, like, there were, and and there's another one that just came in. Mitch, you want to go grab it? But I I don't want us. I don't want IB to be that with each other, right? <laughs> Where when people They're like we were you know, right, you were wrong. Yeah, that's right. Not like how we want to be at all. Yeah, like just because you know, like if Jack Cohn plays a good a bad game now. And we're critical of it, and he comes out the next week, and it's great. It's not like a ah, oh, you shouldn't have been so hard on him last week. The only way you can do that is if last week you said, "Oh, screw him, he should be benched, he's terrible, right. never play him again." Most of us aren't that way, but you know, there, there, coach, coach Freeman did take a little bit more time to really get this offense roll defense rolling than I thought, but I think the defense has been a lot better than people realize for quite a while. Yeah, and I made this point before this game. Notre Dame was given up since since the Toledo so from after t- Toledo game the Notre defense was only giving up like 16 and a half points per game in their last eight games well that's going to go down now yeah. they and and that included giving up 34 points in North Carolina so you know when i look at it it's the defense has been ascending for a while it's just i think the expectations were set so high that and this is a guy who will say, Hey, can we can we not do this right now? Can we allow Coach Freeman to coach a game first before we anoint him as Brian Kelly's successor? Right. And and, and now everybody's worried about him getting poached by SEC school. LSU, and, right. Which know, they should be because yeah. they're gonna want him because they recognize right. what we oh, they're all gonna year. call. They're look, yeah. they're look, an athletic director is not doing his job if he's not giving Marcus Freeman's people a call. Right. That, that's what I'll say there. Now, do I think Marcus Freeman's gonna leave? I do not. Um I, I think it's. I think I personally think Marcus Freeman is is about more than just a quick paycheck and a head coaching right. job, no matter what the job is. Right. Um, and and I will and I we said that about Clark Lee, that he's not just going to take any head coaching job, you know. And and obviously the Vanderbilt job was something that was near and dear to his heart. Makes mm-hmm. sense. I get it. Right. I think Freeman is in the same vein. I don't think he's just going to mm-hmm. jump at the first opportunity to be a head coach. So. You know, everybody, I th- I think, now, I could be wrong, maybe he's on the next plane to Baton Rouge, right? <laughs> but uh, I think everybody can just relax. I don't think he's going to go anywhere right away because, mm-hmm. look, he's recruiting some dudes, mm-hmm. okay? And when you recruit, you become invested, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I've never recruited before outside of going to some middle school games and trying to get him to come to the high school that I'm at, but you've done recruiting before you become mm-hmm. invested in these kids. You do. But at the same time, you always, at the end of the day, what's best for you and your family is always. I get that thing. I totally get that. Yeah. And if, if it was just about the money and it was just about some yeah. of those other things, I if don't the think right job comes along, right he'd leave. But I just, I don't know if the right job is the ones that are available. Exactly. Now. Cause right job just isn't, Oh, it's a great school or great. I mean, it's also right. about, okay. Do I want to live there? Yeah. Do I want to live? Do in I want to raise my Baton six Rouge? kids there? Exactly. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's Pass. That's, a, <laughs> that's a real. That's a yeah, real thing when you have a it family. Is. Okay, yes. it's not just about you, right? Yeah. So that's important. So um, we got another super chat down there, Vince. If you want to, if you want to pull that few, up from Jay Clanford Investments, you want, you want me to go all the way to the bottom? Uh, well, we, we're Wait. allowed to now, Vince, because we can go all the way oh, back up to the top. Solid we're good now. You make solid point. You make. All right, Jay Clampett's jumping in with the huge super chat. Yes, thank you, sir. Thank you, Jay Clampett. You are the man. Uh, sorry, late to the show. My memory could be screwy. I can't think of a more disruptive D lineman than Foskey has been this year. And let me just say, as I'm scouting Notre Dame and I'm an offensive coordinator and 
you know, I'm putting together my plan and I'm executing my plan on game day. Never uh, would I want a tight end going one-on-one with Isaiah Foskey in a pass rush situation. Did Georgia Tech even watch Virginia's film last week? (laughs) Like, what are you doing? I I just... Whoa. Wow. How do you not say we're going to make someone other than Isaiah Foskey beat us? Like, if you want to bring a tight end over to double right. Isaiah Foskey, okay. But not one-on-one, that man. Was and that dumb. is not that tight end's fault. He was put in a position yeah. to fail. That okay? was dumb. That was just not was good dumb. coaching. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was really dumb. I, I don't oh. understand that at all. I, I think there's been, there's been two guys, in my opinion, that I would put into Isaiah Foskey's territory. And what I mean by that, like obviously Jerry Tillery had the great All American season in 2018, but but Jerry Tillery, you know, he he was great in Stanford. I like four sacks against Stanford and finished right. with eight. He kind of wore down late because he was battling a shoulder injury, which you know Isaiah's been a little banged up too. But the thing that makes Isaiah unique and why I would compare him more to the two guys that I view as the two most disruptive D linemen compared to him is to me part of being disruptive is being disruptive consistently, not yeah. just having a couple big games. Like Jerron Jones still had the most disruptive game of any defensive lineman that Notre Dame's had. And, you know, when he had that five-sack game against Miami in 2016, which I think a lot of people forget about because we've all, like, you know, tried to, you know, erase that whole season from our from our memory bank. <laughs> but the, the the two guys that I would say he's on par with are Sheldon Day in 2015 and Stefan to it in 2012. There you go. 20, and the reason that, I would I say go the reason I'd say those two guys is like Sheldon <laughs> never had a monster game that year. Sheldon in 2015 finished with 15 and a half tackles for loss. He only had one game where he had two and a half. He had a, he had three other games where he had two, but it was one, 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 two, two, zero, two and a half, one, two, one, zero, one. He just he was disruptive every game. And Sheldon right. that year too was money. When they needed a stop, he was a guy that oftentimes came up with a stop. And I thought Tuit was that way as well. Vince, it was – he just was consistently disruptive. And that's the thing about Isaiah. Isaiah doesn't have a game this year where he just has gone out and been like, you know, four sacks, right? I mean, it's just yeah, – it's he's just two, consistent. one, one, zero, he, one, one, two, one. And he's consistent two, with one. the pressures. Yeah. Like, just, just it's not just sacks. Exactly, yeah. making plays yeah. and allowing other guys to make plays yeah. because he's yeah. making plays. And right? that's I the mean, thing about the Jay Clampett's. He didn't say, "I can't remember another guy having more sacks than Isaiah Foskey." Right. It's disruptiveness. He had right. he had a sack, two forced fumbles, two more pressures. He's just a guy that you have to account for. And to Rob, to Rob's super chat comment, I can't believe they didn't double Foskey. Amen, dude. Like, I'm with you, Robert. I mean, how do you not look at what Virginia said? Hey, we're going to make make Jason Adamiola beat you. Make Myron beat you. Make Kurt Heinz yeah. beat you. Now, look, here's the deal. They can, and they will. But yeah. you at least got to feel like, as a coach, I did my job to make sure we at least took that dude off the, you know, out of the game plan. But no. But, but, but in his defense, here's the flip side. In his defense, it can kind of be like a, well, if I do that, then what am I going to do about – 57 what am i going to do about 95 what am i going to do about 41 and now that riley mills is starting to really peak what about 99 oh who led notre dame in sacks today it was foskey right nope 
Oh, was it Adam Miola? Nope. Nope. Uh, Myron? Nope. Uh, one of the linebackers on blitzes? Nope. Uh-uh. Uh, Kurt Heinisch? Nope. Howard Cross? Howard Cross had two sacks in this game. I mean, it's like it doesn't matter who you put in. There was they ran the, the remember the series where they had a third and two, they went false start, and then they had a delay a game. If they don't if they don't get a false start on that third and two, Jacob Lacey killed some, just crushed some guard. He was about to blow that play up. I mean, Jacob just beat it. You know what play I'm talking about, Vince? This first half, and it's like because they had they had two consecutive uh, penalties, right? Yeah, that, you had that, a, you had a false start on third yeah. and two on that false start. Yes. If they don't blow the whistle dead, Jacob Lacey had just destroyed a guard. Yes, absolutely. And was correct. about to blow that play up. <laughs> it's kind of like you might have been better off with the false start. Yeah, now, of exactly. course, you couple that with a delay of game, which didn't help. But yeah, the, the point being, Vince, this is what makes this D line so good. It, it, you can take a guy out, and it's not. It, it won't matter. Right. It didn't matter last week against Virginia. They took they tried they took Isaiah Fott. He didn't have any sacks because they double teamed him the whole night. Guess what? Notre Dame had seven sacks. By the way, Notre Dame ha- now has thirty eight sacks on the season. That is a record under Brian Kelly. Is it by really four? Wow, uh, I didn't realize thirty four was the high. They had tied that twice. They had thirty four in each of the last two years, I believe. They had thirty four last year, thirty one last year. Excuse me. They had thirty four in two thousand nineteen and thirty four in two thousand eighteen. So it was back to back, but it was eighteen and nineteen. What's the what's the overall Notre Dame record? I don't know. It's you know? It, it, I would imagine okay. it would be a curious. year in which Willie Fry and 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 uh, Ross Browner were playing together. <laughs> were they keeping sacks back then though? The, I think Lou has Lou would have those numbers. Like Lou would always okay. kind of talk about that. So I imagine they kind of went back and did that. Gotcha. But uh, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's. It's of course. I think there's been. Numbers. I think there was a year under Davy or Holt where they had in the 40s. I believe. Okay. I have to go back well, and look. There and that, that would have been believe that meaning. I, I believe Lou had told me that at one point in time. <clears throat> okay. Um, but that's why he was the goat, and I know, I'm not I because say, I have to I, think about it. But he would I just almost reached for my phone. Yeah. And was like hey, I did wait. that today. No, seriously, yeah. I did that today. Yeah. When I was writing, when I was writing about the 38 sacks in my article and how it was the most since um that at that moment and then when i was thinking about when was the last time they beat a power five by 55 or more my i literally picked up my phone to text lou yeah and then got because anytime that you start a sentence with when was the last time yeah that's my first thought my first thought is to call Lou. yeah exactly and uh no doubt but uh they have 38 sacks now and that the previous record was four so in 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 11 games they have surpassed the sack the numbers of any team that went to play 12 or 13 games uh since Brian Kelly arrived the they had they signed they had 33 in 2012 which was a pretty good year they've got 38 in through 11 games this year it's 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 been impressive some of the things that's that Marcus awesome. Freeman that's like and, and Mike Elson Mike Elson Marcus Freeman this year, I think that's a good combination too, because Marcus wants too. to be aggressive and free, and and Elston wants to turn his guys loose. Yep, no and question. Boy, it's no question. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. A couple more super chats. Let's polish these off and we can maybe get to some other stuff as well. Uh, John Nessler, thank you for the super chat. Says, cheers, Brian and Vince. We put it all together. Having a beer and hanging with you guys. Go Irish, go IB Nation. Sounds Absolutely. like a great way to end your Saturday, John. Exactly. Well, exactly. Well played, I love sir. it. Well played. I, I am realizing, however, that this uh, long sleeve navy blue Irish breakdown hoodie or I mean, yeah. uh, shirt is not the greatest idea for this background because I feel like it's just like hands in a face. There's like <laughs> <laughs> just got a floating head <laughs> and floating hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like I don't know if this is working out real. Well. Oh, it's great. Yeah, that's funny. But, uh, that's funny. I want to. Res- uh, I want to do. I want to pull this up real quick. Ahead. I want to respond. Toolworker says, "Please keep in mind what a terrible team Georgia Tech is." And this is what I was referring to earlier. Yes, we don't have to keep that in mind, tool worker, because we said that all last week. Yeah, but this is exactly what you they hung 45 freaking points on this team at halftime. Yes, even if you take away the defensive touchdown, they hung 38 on them. They scored on every single possession in the first half. Right. This is what great teams do to bad teams. Yep, Alabama last week played New Mexico State, beat them 59 to three. Georgia Tech would smash New Mexico State. Yep. Smash New Mexico State. Okay, uh, Georgia today, right? Best team in the country, and they are, played Charleston Southern, beat them by 49. They were winning 49 to nothing at halftime against Charleston Southern. Notre Dame was winning 45 to nothing over an ACC team, right? So we understand that they're not good. But this is exactly what a great team is supposed to do to a team that stinks. Exactly. I love this response from Tommy Guns real quick, too. Offense only put up 41 points. This is unacceptable. Sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I I said they were going to put up 43, I want to say. Yeah, I said said 45. So So what I meant to say on Saturday was that's the halftime score. Yeah, that's the halftime score. Uh, I'm not predicting a second half score. Except I had Georgia Tech scoring 13. I had scoring 17. Whoops. I think Marcus Freeman was a little pissed at us. Yeah, (laughs) whoops. What? 17? Okay, Driscoll, (laughs) we're not friends anymore. You're done. (laughs) You're not getting invited over for Thanksgiving dinner. Nope. Sorry. Nope. Uh, John A1 has a super chat here. Thanks, John. Says Tosh Baker should be the first tackle off the bench. I wasn't paying put that in close tonight. I wasn't. I wasn't either. I was kind of writing stories at that point. In time. I believe they, they put, put Tosh there? at right, and I believe they put Carmody at left. I thought they no. They had Rocco they had uh, they had Quinn left. Carroll at, at right. Did they? Okay. Okay. That's the only I saw. I saw Quinn Carroll, and the other thing I noticed uh, was I saw Rocco Spindler getting in there. I did. Uh, I saw that and, as well. And I thought I didn't, the couple times I watched him, I thought he was pretty good. That one run that Chris Tyree had, Rocco had, was going up against a big old joker and pushed him off the ball. Yeah, that dude was big. Hey. But he pushed him off the ball. So, yeah. yeah, I'm looking at it now at the nine-something mark of the fourth quarter. Again, this isn't the first time the seconds were on the field, but they had uh, Quinn Carroll at right tackle. This is the point where they were talking about that Irish okay. punter. Yeah. They really went deep on the yeah, punter. Yeah, they really did. Yeah, Quinn Carroll was at right, and Carmody was at left. I, they, they, he's not a tackle. 
It's not a tackle. Carmody? Not a or, tackle. Yeah, no, I agree. Not a tackle. Yeah. I agree. I and, and I will say though, I will say, you know, they had all these tidbits. They're talking about the Irish punter. They're doing all these things. When you're announcing a game that's 55 to nothing, oh yeah, you, you got to talk about something. Yeah. Oh, because they have to be scrambling at halftime. Like, guys, it's 45 nothing. What in the yeah. world are we going to talk about in the second half? Who's <laughs> so going to be getting in the, the game? Field is right. Terrible. Who's going to be yeah. getting in the game? What storylines right. can we talk about? You know, give me I mean, some absolutely. tidbits. Yeah, right. No, no doubt. So I Absolutely. can't blame those guys for for going a down whole the quarter punt talking about the punt, punter though. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know. Uh, James has a super chat in here. We got to get to. He says, "How can you tell the offense and defenses improve versus Georgia Tech? It's not good." That's a good question. That's a really good question, James. I think yeah. that's a very fair question, Vince. You want to take first crack at that? Well, I'll, the first crack I'll take at it is offensively. It is the play design, and it's the manner in which they go about their plays. It's not even necessarily the completion of those plays, okay? It is we weren't seeing jets, and we weren't seeing you know uh, ways to scheme to get guys open and ways to get certain guys involved. We weren't seeing that before. Mm-hmm. Now we are. That's an improvement, okay? And, yes, they are completing those things, and some of that is because of the uh, of the level of play of the defense. But some of it's just because they were scheming to get guys open, and mm-hmm. that's what you should do. So uh, that that's how I would answer that. And I would say the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. When Notre Dame's defense has not been good, they've been sitting back. They've mm-hmm. been sitting back and letting the offense kind of dictate who they are. When the defense takes their game to the offense, they've been very effective mm-hmm. and they've been dominant. That's the difference. Right. And I think you can always look at things like, execution you can always look at things like uh did they play hard did they did they do things that have been mistakes in the past Mm -hmm. that you can tell as a coach independent of how good the opponent is right so as i'm watching a guy take his pass set i can see if he did a good or a bad job uh if i'm watching jack cone throw the ball and it's just thrown to these wide open guys because georgia tech sucks and you're like, well, that, that's not going to work but then i can see schemes that i've been begging for all year since the summer and say okay that's there, that's going to get open against so-and-so as well. You know, I've seen that concept work against Ohio State or, you know, some, you know, against Alabama too. And with the players they have, uh, you know, you, you can see those kind of things. And so to me, those are the things you look at and say, hey, that's that's how I know and that's how I can feel comfortable that this was also execution. But again, at the end of the day, your responsibility is for you to do your job and do your job at a high level. Yes. And and it, it's like I remember when Notre Dame played New Mexico and they scored 66 points. My podcast afterwards was like that was not an impressive performance. They were just better than that other team. I mean, you could yeah. like remember the play like Javon McKinley catches that ball at like five yards down the field and he breaks like 15 tackles and goes in for a touchdown. <laughs> You're like, that play's not working. It's against. just like swatting flies yeah, and it's that just play's like, not working yeah. against Georgia. And the next right. week they it didn't work against Georgia, right? Right. Exactly. But when I when I watched that that jet sweep action with the slip screen backside to Logan Diggs, I'm like, that can work against anybody. Yeah, right. Exactly. When I'm watching them execute a play action pass with with you know Mayer and and Lindsay going deep and Kevin coming on a drag, that stuff Bama would do last year with Devontae Smith that I would always get open. Right. And so those are things that you can look for, James, to say, hey, look, that's stuff that translates. And what you're looking for as a coach is you're looking for things that translate or not. It's in the same thing like when you're watching high school film, right? Yep. You see a back do something and you're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But he's not doing that when he's facing, you know, linebackers from Michigan or Ohio State or Georgia or Alabama, right? It doesn't translate. 
what I saw today translates. There weren't throws, like and I'm like, if Jack Cohn tries that against so-and-so, that's a pick, right? Right. Um, now, there are certain things that you can't really tell how much a team has improved. So, for example, a question was asked earlier in one of the Super Chats about the offensive line improving, and is it really that improved, or is it about the other team sucking? And it's like, it's a little bit of both, yeah. right? Because you can – what you're not seeing from the team now that you did see early is it just turned a bunch of dudes loose, right? Just guys run through. This guy yep. makes a play. We don't block that guy. Uh, not finishing off blocks, not staying engaged. You know, we saw that in the first series. Georgia Tech tried that stuff again later, but that time the Notre Dame offensive line picked it up. Whereas in the third game of the year, they could just keep running that blitz all game and they'd never figure it out. Yeah, right. And so that's improvement right now. Here's the other thing you look at and you say, okay, there are things they're doing in the run game. This is why we're not bragging about how great the run game was. We've hardly talked at all about the run game. Because the run game, to me, is still a little problematic for me. Now, you're still seeing backs that are just super talented. And then, of course, you have a 68-yard run from Tyler Buckner that pads the stats a little bit. He went over 200 yards. But those are plays, James, to James's point, that that's not going to work against Georgia. You right. can't just hand the ball. I mean, there was one point in time where Logan Diggs stopped. Literally. Literally stood stopped. still and let the – you know what I mean? And then just ran for a yard. You know what I mean? It's right. Like, you try that against Georgia, it's a three-yard loss. Yeah. Right? And, and so those are the things, James, that don't translate. So I'm still concerned about the lack of a running game against a good team. Georgia Tech stinks. You can get away with those things against Georgia Tech. If you're not getting movement and you're just doing a body on a body, that's fine. And this is what we said. Hey, look, the, with the teams that are named plays, that's all they have to do because they're so much more talented and their skill sure. is so much better than everybody else. But against Georgia, that's not going to work as much. Right. And so to answer your question, James, again, I, I, this is what I love about our group, Vince, is because they ask, this is a, this isn't him being negative. That's a legit this is question. A, this is a legitimate question. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so to me, like secondary wise, I watch Cam Hart get beat on a slant route early on the first drive. And I'm he like, did. that's poorly executed. He did. Against a better team, that might go for more yards. But then they try it later and it gets picked up well. Or I'm watching Clarence Lewis on a time where they tried to beat him deep early and he pedals, he jams, and he has a really clean transition and his hand goes, his forearm goes right into the guy's chest. That's not the kind of transition that he was doing earlier in the year and he was getting beat on. So I can look at that technique and say, that's going to transition when they play so-and-so, right? And those are the things you look for. James or because other times you say you know and we've done this before I, is we've seen Notre Dame well last week's a perfect example Notre Dame wins 28 to 3 and we're like yeah that was more about just their way better than Virginia right right and, and we, we said the same thing in Navy yeah I mean they won big but there was a lot of things to be upset about right the reason we're so fired up about this isn't 55 to nothing per se it's the reason it was 55 to nothing right it's it's that you saw execution, you saw creative schemes, you saw di- versatility, you saw diversity of, of personnel, diversity of, you know, I'm attacking stretch one play, I'm attacking horizontally the next, I'm I'm doing levels on third and fourth down that we haven't done all year because it wasn't I'm, as predictable. Like no, it, it, it in the past, we could tell. Well, they're in that they're they're going to be doing this. Yes. You know, that, that's just not the case. I right would not now. have predicted yeah. two to twelve personnel play action passes that would have covered ninety yards, right? right. And you say, well, Georgia Tech sucks. Yes. And, and I don't know if it's going to be that wide open against a better team, but it's going to be open. 
Right. So maybe the Michael, the 52 yard touchdown of Michael Mayer doesn't go for 52 yard touchdown. Maybe it goes Georgia. for 20. Maybe. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. You're yep. stretching the field. Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and, but the, you know, the 51 yard play to Kevin Austin maybe does because you get a one-on-one down the field and you're able to do that. So, so absolutely phenomenal question, James. Absolutely. Great question. Great question. Jack pot pothast pothast uh jack asks thank first of all thank you jack for the super chat he says odds of making the playoffs uh chances against georgia well jack uh part of the odds of notre dame making the playoffs have to do with the game that i'm watching right over here uh with utah in the red zone and it is zero zero right now against oregon Cincinnati they, got a big win tonight, which helped. Yeah, them. they really did. I, I thought they were going to struggle to uh, today. They, and they smacked us. They, they, they. That was a statement game for Cincinnati. I look. I'll give credit where credit is due. That was a statement game for Cincinnati. So you know, touche to them. Uh, that was impressive, and Utah just scored. So okay. if Utah can hang on to this lead, Jack, the odds go up for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I would say if I was a betting man, you know, scale of one to 10 kind of thing of, of Notre Dame making the playoffs, I'd still put it at like a three right now, three and a half. Um, but there's a chance, right. It, but they, they still need some things to happen ahead of them. So I, I'm, I'm more, can, I, I think there's a greater chance than you do. Do you really? I do. I do. Okay. Cause they're automatically going to go up to number seven this week. Because Michigan State's out, I agree. They're going to go up to number six the following weekend at worst because Correct. Ohio State and Michigan play. Correct, right? And so then you still have one more remaining game of teams that are ranked both ahead of them. Alabama has not impressed me. They, they almost not lost, impressed. They me. almost lost today to Arkansas. I would say they almost lost. Well, that was a touchdown, but it was competitive. And it was competitive. Their last touchdown, I don't think, was a touchdown, but that's a different. Yeah, situation. but like. They're 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 not able to stop Arkansas, right? They're, they're, Georgia's better than Arkansas, obviously. Sure. So I'm not convinced that Georgia's going to like. First of all, Bama can beat Georgia. Of course right? they can. I mean, Bam. When I say Bama, I'm not impressed by Bama. It's relative to how good Bama's been in the past. Not right. everyone else, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's a very vulnerable defense. Their offense is good, but their offensive line can get exposed at times by really good fronts. And Georgia has a really good front. They have clearly one of the three or four best front sevens in college football. Uh, I'm not ready to just say they are the best because, again, as I've said, they haven't really played any good offenses and in, in good offenses, but they're clearly one of the three or four best in college football. Uh, so I just I don't know that that game's nest. I think people are assuming that's going to be a close game. I, I don't think it's necessarily definitely going to be a close game. Yeah, and I still believe a two loss Bama team doesn't get in over Notre Dame. Now they still may get in if sure. other things happen, but I don't okay. think they're going to get in over Notre Dame. So now if Bama loses, that gets you up to five, correct? Yeah. And then Oregon loses. So now you just four. need one of Oregon, Cincinnati, or Ohio state to lose. I don't think any of those, because here's the thing. If Oregon does hang on tonight, barring Utah losing next week to Colorado at home, they're going to get a rematch in two weeks. Sure. Because if they beat Colorado next week, I think they, they clinch. split. I, I think it's yeah. very similar to the Oklahoma yeah. Oklahoma State situation. Yeah. I think and I think Texas that's Oklahoma be a split. had it. Remember that they had yeah. that that one year. Yeah, I think that'll yeah. end up being a split. And I think I think the Oregon Utah game will end up being a split. So yeah. um, no, I I I think it's my See, prediction. But right is there, Notre I don't Dame. think the way this season has been, that's none of that's far fetched. I think Notre Dame is five at five. Yeah. 
it that's could. I think it could. Right. I'm not saying they're going to get in. I'm. I'm a little bit more. I don't think as much craziness has to happen as you do because a okay. lot of it's already happened. Right. I mean, you've had a team rank. You've had four teams ranked ahead of Notre Dame just flat out lose in the last three weeks. <laughs> You're right. Just flat You're right. lose. You're right. Uh, and then chances against Georgia. You want to take. You want to tackle that in. Uh, L- let me see know, how Notre Dame plays next week. Ten minutes or less. <laughs> no. I, I'm just not ready to go there yet okay. because okay. I want to number one. I want to see how Georgia plays against Georgia Tech next week. And and, th- and I think that's and, a really good point. They mentioned that on the TV broadcast today, and we talked know, about it, it this during the week as well. It, it can't be the be all end all, okay? But it's a point. It's a data it's just point. Just another that you can discuss. data point. That's right. It's a data point you can discuss because it's one week removed. I mean, right. it, it's back to back games, and so I feel like it. it you know, I'm not saying if, you know, Notre Dame won by more points, so they, you know, they should be ranked higher. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But you can glean a little bit of something from that. So um, I I do think that it matters. I, I It mm-hmm. matters a little bit. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how that one turns out. And the other part is I, ne- I want to see how they do against Alabama. Like, I want to see how that game plays out. Sure. But it, but I also want to see how Notre Dame handles. Like, so, so all year Notre Dame's done some good things, but, you know, but right now they're 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 on a crescendo, right? They've just kind of gotten better and better each week. I want to see them finish strong next week. If sure. they go out and do to Stanford what I think they're going to do to Stanford, because what I said before the season was if this team plays to their potential, I think they can play with anybody. And I still believe that with all my heart, that if they play their game, they can play yeah. with anyone. I'm not saying beat anyone, but play with anyone. Yeah, I agree. And I'll be honest with you, right now, I'm more concerned about Ohio State than I am Georgia. All right, Vince. So, hey, th- I think that's going to do it. I think that's going to do it because, okay. um, uh, yeah, I think we've kind of we've kind of touched it all. We will be back tomorrow. But, hey, like button, smash it. Subscribe button, make sure you've hit it. Notification bell, definitely want to turn that on because you're going to know when we're going to do our next show, which is going to be tomorrow night around eight o'clock. Right. Yeah. We're going to break down the film. We're going to talk. So I'm just calling and I'm calling it now, Vince. So just be prepared for it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the game, the Notre Dame Georgia Tech game. We're going to talk a little bit about that, just some things we see. Yeah. But then after that, it's going to be college football playoff stuff because it's going to be fun to talk about. Yeah. So hey, because <laughs> here's how the show is going to basically go for ten minutes. Hey, remember that all that great stuff we talked about last night? It was still it's freaking great. Still that way, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> so we'll talk. A, but, but well, I, I want to dive into the film because there's a couple. Here's what we are going to talk about. One thing that Vince and I didn't get a chance to really spend a lot of time on watching the younger guys. I yeah. definitely want to watch the second half again, watch some of the younger players, see how they did. I want to talk about how Rocco played and how Prince Collie yeah. played and how yeah. Aiden Callahan I'm going to focus on the game. Like, I'm going to do yeah. some of that stuff. Right. And then that's what we're going to spend a lot of time. So there'll be a couple comments here and there. Uh, I may go back and watch the game like, wow, there was two times they turned the guy loose and I didn't see it live, right? You know, there's always stuff like that. But for the most part, we'll talk some about that stuff. But then we'll also talk about um, – some of the younger guys and we'll do that maybe for about 20 minutes or so. And then after that, we're going to talk about college football playoff, just preview, like talk about what happened today, preview what, uh, what we think is going to happen on, on, on Tuesday and then answer some of your questions. So that's what we'll do tomorrow night. So that's, uh, that's what we're going to do. So again, like button, subscribe button, notification bell, sign five up for the review. message boards. Absolutely. Listen to podcasts, five star review and Enjoy the rest of your night. Have a great. Actually, we just had a couple come in real quick. We did. That I want to get to we Dennis Rydell said, "Sorry, missed you guys on Wednesday. Thank you for this, Dennis. Had to work. Well done, go Irish. Thank you for that, Dennis." And the Connor Patton, thank you for your super chat. Connor, as well. 
glad to see the show growing. It would be great to see both the program and this show go to the next level. I agree completely. And I think those two things would go hand in hand, I, I believe. So uh, I, 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 I think that's a great comment. We appreciate all y'all very much. And uh, we're, we're going to have a good night. Why, why is Tommy, Tommy Gunn's telling us we can't go yet? Did he have a super chat that we didn't get to or something? <laughs> no, I think he just doesn't want us to leave. Doesn't want us to leave. I, I think that's really all there hey, is but to that's it. Why you have, that's what the message board is for, right? <laughs> yeah, like We're going to still be right. talking. Well, I'll still be talking on the message board. Vince has five little chitlins he needs to go round up upstairs. <laughs> I can hear but, him. Uh, there, but but I, I'm going to be on the message board the rest of the night. So uh, appreciate everybody being here with us tonight. Have a great rest of your night. Enjoy the football that's still being played, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.